Well, today um, we're going to begin a, a series of three talks on giving. Uh, I've been promising the church council I would do this, <laughs> and uh, finally, finally we're getting round to doing so. We're going to be looking at the heart of giving, the reason for giving, and the blessing of giving. And we're basing them on 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, 2 Corinthians is a letter sent by Paul to the Christians in the city in Corinth, which tells about a collection that the church in Corinth had agreed to give to support the Christians in Jerusalem and in Judea because they were facing a famine. And in our reading today, Paul urges the Corinthian Christians to complete what they had said they would do. That's important. It's easy to make a promise, especially if it is about money, and then if not deliberately break our promise, forget our promise. I wonder how many of us have done that. Well, Paul encourages them not to forget their promise and to do what they said that they would do. And in these verses, he tells them about the Macedonian churches. That's the churches of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. He says that although they were extremely poor, and even though they had suffered dreadfully for their faith, they were full of joy in their faith, and that their joy welled up in rich generosity. They gave generously, beyond their ability, and they gave eagerly. Paul says they were begging us earnestly for the privilege of having the opportunity to share in the service to the people of God in Jerusalem. And this is the key. They gave themselves, 2 Corinthians 8, 6, first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. That is very important. Real giving, generous giving, eager giving begins when we give ourselves to God. God does not want your stuff. God wants you and everything that you have. The bandit may have stood up on the highway and said, as he pointed the gun at you, your money or your life. Jesus hangs on the cross and he gives us no choice. It's not your money or your life, but your life and your money. <laughs> he demands everything. Zinzendorf, who was the founder of the Moravian Church, speaks of how as a young man he had given up on his Christian faith. But he visited an art gallery and he was captured by a painting of Jesus hanging on the cross. Underneath were the words, all this I have done for you, what will you do for me? And that was the moment when he recommitted his life to following Jesus. He gave himself first to the Lord. It's very easy, actually, to use financial giving as a way to cop out of the demands of God. I worked for one vicar who, on principle, would never pass the collection plate around. 
He said that was partly because he didn't want visitors to think that the church was always asking for your money. And he said it was also because it was too easy for people to take some money out of their pocket, to put it in the plate, and think that they had done their duty to God. And most of us are even more foolish. We think that because we have given something to God, God owes us something back. Because I tithe, because I give a tenth of what I get, God will make life go well for me. Because I've bought a large candle, no, a really, really big candle, God will answer my prayer as I want. But if we think like that, we've got it the completely the wrong way round. God has given us everything. He's given us life. He's given us our family. He's given us our place of birth. He's given us our position in society. He's given us our interests. He's given us our gifts and abilities. He's given us the people we come into contact with and all the opportunities that we have. So if we give anything to God, we're only giving to God what he has already given to us. How can we possibly say that God owes us anything? If someone gives me 10,000 rubles and they give it to me as a gift and I then take 100 rubles from that and give it back to them, how can I claim that they owe me? <laughs> King David in the Old Testament made an appeal. He wanted to build a temple for God and people gave generously. They gave gold and silver. And David says a prayer of thanksgiving. He thanks God that God has made people willing to give and has given them wealth so that they can give. And then he adds, all things come from you, O God, and of your own have we given you. And God has not only given us everything, everything that we are and everything that we have, he has also given us himself in his son Jesus on the cross. And he gave us Jesus to give us a second chance at life. To live as we were created to live. He gave us Jesus as an opportunity to turn from our rebellion against him and to become friends of God, intimate with God. He gives us Jesus to save us from sin and from death. God is not some petty tyrant who demands that you give him yourself because he needs servants and he likes followers. Tick. God created you and has given you everything because he loves you. And God demands that you give him yourself because he loves you. He, he looks at us and sees that because we've rejected him, because we're blind to him, deaf to him, because we're living without him, we are not complete. Over the last few weeks, I've done one or two jigsaws. And we're like a lost jigsaw piece. 
that has slipped behind the radiator. We're lost, not particularly pretty, useless and fairly dirty. But he searches everywhere for us. And when he finds us, he lovingly cleans us. And this is where this illustration breaks down because jigsaw pieces don't have a choice and we do have a choice. If we permit him to do so, if we give ourselves to him, he will put us in the right place, the right way round. So before we give any money, we need to recognize that God has given us everything and as a response, give ourselves to the Lord. That's what Psalm 40 says that we read. God does not want our offerings. He wants our response. He wants our obedience. He wants us to have, and it's a beautiful phrase, he wants us to have an open ear so we can hear him, so his voice can come into us and come deep into us. That's Romans 12, verse 1 which talks about all the wonderful things God has done for us. And then it says, Paul says, therefore, in view of the mercies of God, offer your money to God. No, it doesn't say that. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. God does not just want your money. God first and foremost wants you. And we give him our love, our desire, our wills, our minds, our relationships, our dreams, our hopes, our future, our past, our failures, our successes, our achievements. We give him our possessions, we give him time, our time, and we give him our bodies. We surrender them to him. I read that Archbishop Bill Burnett, a former Archbishop of South Africa, would go into his chapel. When you're an Archbishop, you have your own chapel. And he would dedicate his body to God. He would start with his toes and feet and ankle and work up his body to his head and his hair, dedicating each part to the service of God. We first give ourselves to the Lord and then we give our stuff. This is where Cain went wrong. Abel had given himself to the Lord, it seems, but Cain had not. That is why in our reading from Genesis, God accepts Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's sacrifice. It's not because Abel offered an animal sacrifice and Cain offered a sacrifice of the fruits of the earth. Both would have been equally acceptable to God. God accepts Abel's sacrifice, if you read the text, because Abel offers the firstlings, the first fruits of the flocks, whereas Cain just takes, at any point, any bundle of the crops and gives it to God. When we give ourselves to the Lord, when we respond to his generosity and love with our love, then we will, like the Macedonian Christians, be eager to give and generous in our giving. If we first give ourselves to the Lord, 
then the very first thing that we will do when we get our stuff, when we get our harvest, is to recognize that it all comes from him. And in recognition of our dependence on him, we thank him. And as a token of our love, we give him back the first of what we earn. So when we get some money, the first thing that the person who has given themselves to God will do is to take some out of it and put it aside to give to the Lord. The guideline in the Old Testament was that people were to put aside 10% of their income to give to the Lord. It's a guideline that we also find in the New Testament, Matthew 23, 23. It's a guideline that many people follow today. But it is a guideline, not a law. Some of us here should not be giving 10%. There's one dear brother, I don't think he's here at the moment, but who I know has incredibly little to live on. He shouldn't be giving anything really. Probably we, the church, should be supporting him. More about that next week. Yet I know that he does give 10 or 20 rubles a week. And for him, that is a significant sacrifice. It's like the widow we read about in the temple. But some of us here, if we have given ourselves first to the Lord, should be giving more than 10%. In fact, we'll have chosen to have given more than 10%. Uh, I remember one of my own uh, former bishops um, who, um, when he was appointed, stood, and as a bishop, you do get a little bit more than a vicar. <laughs> and he said, you know, I pledge, I pledge now that I will give 20%. Because, you know, my income has gone up. It's not so much a matter of what I have, it's what I have that is left. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, worked out what he needed to support his family and do the ministry. Anything above that, he gave. At first, he gave little. But then, as his income grew from his books, from his publications, he gave much more. It is when we give ourselves to the Lord first, it is when we realize that everything we have, 100% of all that we have, belongs to the Lord, was given to us by the Lord, that we can give ourselves to him. When we realize that the money that we give to the work of the gospel, to the work of the church, belongs to the Lord. The money we give for good works belongs to the Lord. The money we spend on those we love belongs to the Lord. The money we save belongs to the Lord. The money we spend on ourselves and all that we possess belongs to the Lord. It's not really 10% giving, it's 100% giving. <laughs> it's when we give ourselves first to the Lord that we will be changed that his Holy Spirit will come in and we will begin to want to give eagerly and generously. 
There is a story told. Sorry, this is a little bit icky, but it's rather lovely. There is a story told, and I'll finish with this, about an Iranian church. At the end of the service, the minister came forward and held one of those large, very, very large collection plates. And in this church, it was the custom of people to come up and place their offering on the plate. And a little boy from a family who he knew had absolutely nothing came forward. He, he had no shoes. He came forward and stood in front of the minister and the minister had the plate up here and the little boy said, lower, lower. So the minister lowered it right down as if expecting the boy would put something on it, but he didn't. The boy said, lower, lower, until the plate was on the floor. And then the boy stepped on it. We first give ourselves to the Lord and then we give our stuff.